Today's episode of Does Not Compute is sponsored by Gusto. They're currently hiring in San Francisco and Denver. Gusto takes the hassle out of managing benefits and payroll for small businesses. Most small business owners don't have the time or desire to stay up to date with ever-changing tax and regulatory requirements. Working at Gusto, you'll tackle complex, interesting challenges to build a platform that meets those regulatory requirements in the United States and around the world. Gusto engineers own their features end-to-end, which means you'll have the opportunity to do everything from building out Rails APIs to connecting those APIs to React components. You'll get to solve tough problems that directly help small business owners by making technology do the heavy lifting. I personally love the challenge and art of taking complex ideas and presenting them to the average user in a usable way, and that's what engineering at Gusto is all about. If that's something you love too, check out gusto.com slash spec.fm to learn more about the company, open positions, benefits, and more. Thanks so much to Gusto for their support of the show, and make sure to check them out at gusto.com slash spec.fm. Unique New York. Unique New York. It's funny you say that because I'm watching a video on how to make New York style pizza. And the intro was Teenage Mutant, Teenage, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the intro where everyone's just eating pizza and I'm really hungry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had, uh, I figured before we started the podcast, I should have a healthy meal. I had, uh, y- have you seen the commercials for those Belveda, um, like breakfast cracker things? Bre- breakfast biscuits? Not Velveeta, not the cheese. Bell Vita with a with a B Bell. Uh, yeah. Yes, I've so seen I had these. one of the. There's four in a package. I had one, um, and then I had some uh, some spicy spicy Cheetos. One package. Hmm. Oh, I see. Yes. That does. Yeah, it's good. like four. It, it come, comes on a little. It's it's a breakfast thing. You, it's like you, you eat it with, you know, when you're when you want to get going in the morning. It's a bar kind of dealio or whatever. Breakfast and that. Yeah, I'm I'm just really hungry after. Hungry for pizza specifically. I've been watching this YouTube channel called Binge with Binging with Babish. He makes. I like um, that we were. I like that we were like. Okay, let's start the show now. <laughs> and then we keep talking. We just keep talking about wanting pizza. Oh, this is important because uh, <laughs> he he makes basically he has a cookbook now too. But he makes uh, food that you see on TV and movies. So. Uh, for example, the office episode where Kevin makes his famous chili and then drops it on the floor. Um, he, he'll he follow recipes, and then if they're just really bad, he'll improve upon them. And mm. he keeps it true to the original recipe. So when Kevin dropped his chili on the floor, he actually dumped his bowl of chili onto a piece of carpet <laughs> on his counter. <laughs> and then ate it off of the counter with the spoon. Oh my God. That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. I think the worst one maybe... Actually, there's been several. There was one, uh, he made something, I can't remember where it's from, but it was called an all-meat burrito. And it was like an infomercial on Adult Swim, and they just kept listing off like different types of meat, like exotic meats. And he actually, so he actually made it? Yeah, so he went to uh, this, he went somewhere in New York and got like rattlesnake and kangaroo and like alligator and 17 different kinds of meat. And he made it and he said it was just disgusting. He said it was the worst, the worst thing ever. Um, yeah, so he yeah, makes. I've I've been trying to avoid meat a little bit lately. Like not, I mean, not too much. Let's be honest, but a, a little bit. I've been trying to to restrict myself. It just feels gluttonous a lot of the time to me now. Yeah, just to have just to have, how for like every meal having meat with it. Oh yeah, it's a yeah. pretty common thing, and it, it's like man, that's that's like a lot. 
just just environmentally and like it's just a lot to consume. Yep, it is on both both things. I've been eating a lot less carbs too. I've just been like I have like a daily salad, like a recipe that I just eat or whenever I make a salad, I just make that. It's kind of like a habit. So I've been trying to do that once a day. And um I've been so I guess I've been eating a little more meat because I'm not eating as much carbs, but I've been eating lots more, mm. way more vegetables, just replacing the carbs with vegetables and stuff. Um, but cutting like the portion sizes of meats down because I grew up in the Midwest and my dad's portion size of meat was uh, a pound, <laughs> just a large, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my parents are the same way. They're they're very meat meat heavy diet. Yeah. And I think that's just that's just the case for a lot of people growing up across the country. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the times, I guess the, especially mm-hmm. like it was a different time. I think like dieting was a different time. And I mean, there's been a lot of different like changes in food pyramid, for example, looks totally different now. Uh, the, you know, the, I guess the awareness that maybe people have about the different types of foods that we grew up eating, uh, and didn't think twice about, you know, how much sugar is in everything, how much, corn syrup is in everything, how much fake stuff is in everything, mostly fake stuff. Um, yeah, so I've been, I've been trying to watch that stuff more and trying to figure out, uh, you know, what kind of like proteins do I want to eat? What helps me recover more? Um, Jamie's been using plant-based proteins and it seems to help her a lot with Muay Thai stuff and recovering from that. Um, and for me, a lot of it just comes down to water, just how much water can I pump into my body? Yes. Oh my God. You mentioned how much sugar is in everything and sugary drinks are one of the Mm -hmm. easiest things for me, man, as a kid I drank. So I carried a 12 pack of vault soda in the back of my car. Yeah. It was like, it was a, yeah, it was like surge. It was a really overly caffeinated, just a ridiculous beverage. And I carry a 12 pack around of that in my car and go through them pretty quick. Like it's, and thinking back on that, I can hardly get through a Coca-Cola now. Yeah. I feel sick when I drink pop now. Uh, yeah, it, so it's just it's just water, and I used to, I used to do all the energy drinks and stuff when I was working. It's like, oh yeah, I'm doing an all nighter or whatever. <laughs> and now if I if I have to stay up really late doing an all nighter or just need to focus for a really long period of time, it's just a giant glass. I just have this huge mug of water, and it's the best. It, it's just the best thing to drink. Yeah, I have a thousand milliliter bottle sitting next to me right now that I keep water in. If I, yeah, if I don't have it, I don't know. I, I hear people say like, oh, you're supposed to drink water when you wake up or you're supposed to drink water before you go to sleep. And so I pretty much just have this around me. I carry it around. Like I have a carabiner in my backpack strap and I just strap the water bottle to myself when I'm going around. And so I just always have it. And what's, what's crazy is, is that I, got, I don't want to keep talking about jujitsu because I'll get more Twitter messages like, hey man, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> but what's funny is that uh, uh, the two biggest things that affect me and my ability to perform physically, uh, my ability, like the, like my energy level and my my stamina, um, and my ability to just like become completely, uh, or like you know, becoming completely just shot. Like your muscles dead, your muscles are dead. Your cardio is dead. You can't breathe. The biggest factors to that for me are sleep. I think this is the biggest one. And water is the second. Food isn't the biggest one by any means, which I always thought it was growing up playing sports and stuff. Um, but it's it's by far, it's, it's sleep is number one and water is number two. Yeah, I don't even think that's just for physical stuff. For me, that's 
that's just my whole life. Like my ability to think and process things and make yeah. decisions. That's like if I'm dehydrated or I'm way overly tired, can't do anything. Yeah, it's it's, it's wild. And it's funny with the amount of coffee that I drink, uh, if I remember correctly, coffee is like a diuretic. So I'm kind of like trying to balance it, <laughs> balance it out, negate the, negate the effects of, of caffeine. But yeah, it's crazy. I'm super hungry right now because I've been watching that YouTube video about pizza. You know, I want pizza really bad. Um, but I, yeah, I don't even know where we were going with that. But uh, <laughs> We're just talking. <laughs> yeah, drink more water. I, it's definitely important. So I start tomorrow, man. Uh-huh. I start tomorrow with Design Collective. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty excited. We've talked about this for the last several weeks, I guess. But yeah, yeah. It's like, it's imminent now. It is very imminent. imminent. Yeah. So I had a meeting with Lindsay on Friday uh, talking about tomorrow and what some processes would look like and what the flow might look like and what like communication flow might look like. Uh, and this says a lot about her, which is cool. I think the biggest thing she keeps saying that she's going to listen to this, so it's going to be really weird when she if she hears like listens to this and I'm talking <laughs> about her. But so one of the things that she was most concerned about was that she didn't want to have multiple streams of communication. So like she didn't want to have people back channeling to you things that need to be done, and then people back channeling things to me that want like they need to be done. You know what I mean? Um, we're, we're, we're trying to figure out like, okay, how do we consolidate things into a central stream? So that way people aren't like assigning other people things. Like we're not handing out. Right. Like, you, you need you know, to have, you need to have some sort of queue that yeah. like a managed queue. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. And so we were kind of talking about that and how that flow of communication might look like. And, and I talked about like wanting to, you know, make sure that uh, you're kind of set up to do what you're good at the best. And, and I can handle like any quicksand things or things that might slow you down and just stuff like that. So we had talked about that for a little while. And uh, yeah, we talked about like what I thought your your specializations were, uh, which is funny because we're both kind of generalists, right? And mm-hmm. I think that was one of the original pitches was at the current point uh, where we're at Design Collective, we kind of need another generalist that can do full stack style work. Uh, and in a way that's, almost in this case is like a specialization, I guess, like the ability to do both. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a good talk. It was really encouraging and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it as well. Just trying to figure out like what I can do to um, merge, merge both worlds, I guess, as, as being like a developer. Cause obviously I want to keep developing and keep writing code and keep getting my hands dirty and keep doing some heavy lifting. But um there's a lot of things that I need to do in terms of like talking to customers and uh, getting feedback from our salespeople and, you know, just kind of consolidating information that's coming in. Right. And I mean, hopefully that kind of the whole or a big part of the idea behind me coming on is that now you're actually going to be able to focus more time on that. Yeah. It's Instead super hard. Of always just having to be knee deep, waist deep, neck deep in the code. It's so, it's so difficult. It's so difficult. I don't know how, Maybe maybe it's one of those things like the Wizard of Oz things. Like when I see people on Twitter and I don't really see beyond the curtain like how things are going. But I you know I follow some people on Twitter and they seem so productive and they seem so good at what they do. And then I always think like I'm not like that. Uh, I'm not doing as much as that person is doing and stuff. Um, and I'm fine. Like more and more, I'm fine with that. I'm just trying to figure out like what I can do to the best of my ability because that's my ability. That's all I have. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's something that I'm really looking forward to is being able to 
uh, one of the things I told Lindsay was like, I felt like by bringing somebody else in, obviously it affects our budget and, and all that stuff, which, you know, I'm super concerned with in that that's, I think that's one of my goals is to remove that concern from other people that we work with. Right. So if they're not, they're not having to think about budget and, and breaking even in runways and stuff like that, um, you know, then they're able, they're more able to sell or provide support or whatever, if that makes sense. Right. So I'm trying to think like different ways that I can affect the bottom line in a positive manner, I guess. And, uh, so that was one of the biggest things I told her was like in bringing someone in, obviously it expands the amount of money that it takes to run design collective. But in the long run, I feel like she's empowering me to do my job better in terms of thinking about those things and, and doing some of those other CTO week type things that I really can't do both. I just can't do both at the same time. Uh, and that's something that's been really on my mind because a long time ago I used to have a boss and he told me that the goal, uh, his goal for everyone in his organization was to be bringing in three times what they're being paid. Uh, and I know that's kind right. of, it sounds, I don't know how, I guess, maybe, I don't know how it sounds, but like, it sounds I like a lot. I think that's actually a pretty, right? pretty typical metric for a lot of yeah. companies. I, I've heard that number before. Yeah. And so that's something I'm thinking about. And there was another, I can't remember the title of the article. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try and dig it up for show notes. I don't know if I can find it though. But basically uh, the article was like, startups, do you know where your money's coming from? Or engineers, it was, it was written geared towards engineers. Do you, do you know where your money comes from? Where's your money coming from? And it was kind of geared towards like the startup life where some unknown face dumps a few million dollars in and then you just have money. You just have a salary, you know? So you're just kind of like working on things that are cool or things that I think another part of the article about was like, it was a little bit about over-engineering, right? So you're just kind of like over-engineering things and you're getting a steady salary, but they're like, well, you got to remember where does your money come from? It comes from customers. <laughs> it comes from people that are paying for what you're building, you know? Um, so yeah, it, it's it's tough to have, you, you get these sort of weird accountability structures within organizations a lot of the time, and and you have I don't even know how we got on this, but sure. but you'll have like like self the self interest of a department winning out over the self and over the the yes, interest yeah, of the company yeah, as a whole. Yeah. yeah, that's I think that was the end like the end point of the article. Maybe I talked about this before, but yeah, so that's like that's been on my mind a lot, and that was one thing that I talked to her about was like I thanked her for. Um, you know, cause I had asked her a few times, like, and she would always just tell me six months, you know? So six months later, I'd be like, Hey, um, <laughs> what's up? And, uh, and so I thanked her cause I was like, I didn't, you know, and she, I mean, she was always on board from, from the start, you know, it wasn't like a, Oh, we have to look at the numbers and see what we can do. It was more of like a, yeah, it, it makes sense to do this now kind of thing. Um, and so, yeah, it was a really good talk. We talked about a lot of that stuff and about how a lot of like, that's how that's my main, not one of like my main concerns, but it's a big concern of mine is, is, you know, she's paying for it. So I need to be accountable for that. And I need to like make decisions that best reflect that because as much as I want to build cool stuff and feel productive, I need to make sure salary is there <laughs> so I can keep doing it. Right. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah. it was, it was a good talk and that's, I feel like I can focus on that a little bit more, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that, I think that's a little bit what I was trying to convey to her was that, um, I'm still going to be writing tons of code and I'm still going to be doing lots of work. It's just that some of the priorities are shifting a little bit because now I have help. 
yeah, you're just going to be able to do more CTO stuff. Right. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I'm just going to take take a lot of the code pressure off, hopefully at least. It, and I, yeah. I thought it was so funny earlier. You mentioned you, you talked about prolific people that you see them on Twitter, and it's like you're doing so much stuff. How are you doing that much stuff? And how that can be, you know, that can be a trigger for imposter syndrome or whatever, just, mm-hmm. just kind of feeling bad about your productivity level. Um, that's something I've been thinking about so much recently. And you're right. You really don't see what's going on. I think everybody's always kind of struggling a little bit, even, right, yeah. you know, even the people who seem to have really great, great Twitters. But one thing I've, or, you know, social presences right. in general, but one thing I've been trying to do lately that is, that has helped me not feel so bad about that. It's just every time I look at a decision that I have to make, it's like which which can be pretty pretty much anything. This can be related to programming. This can be related to just whether or not I'm going to wake up at a certain time or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I look at that decision and I, I'm I'm trying to think about it like this: every decision that I make is going to make me more of a certain type of person. Right. It's either like it's going to make me more of some type of person and less of a different type of person. And it's like, is that decision going to make me more of the type of person that I want to be? Or less of the type of person that I want to be, and then it's it just makes decisions a lot easier for me. I, I've been doing this for a, while, a little while now, and uh, it, so so for example, it's like if I'm writing if I'm writing code, I will look at this and I'll be like, okay, well, I don't really want to do this extra thing. I don't want to really go into detail for you know, I don't want to write this extra test. I don't want to do uh, write in these document this documentation or whatever that you know, <laughs> but. What, which one of those things you choose determines it seems like such an inconsequential decision because it's you know one method doc right yeah, who cares yeah. but it's it's that it's making all those decisions hundreds of times a day thousands of times a day that's i mean that is who you are it's not yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's all what you who you are really boils down to all of those really inconsequential seeming decisions and so that that's something i've been really trying to reflect on especially when i see prolific people it's like how do how do people do that they just they just do it. They don't have any more hours than anybody else. Right. They just ch- keep choosing to do the thing that they that is going to be the next thing they need to do, instead of you know playing a game or whatever. Right. Not, not saying yeah. that. And I love pl- I love playing games. I love procrastinating. You know, I'm a human being, but I just think it's really interesting to kind of reframe decision making in that way. Yeah, in a lot of ways, it's about balance, and uh, a lot of in a lot of ways forcing yourself into being proactive about something plays into finding that balance. Uh, especially like when you talk about video games or like watching TV, cause obviously, the, you know, your mind needs time to, to rest and relax. Um, and it's, it's funny when I see people that are really like prolific talk about like, Oh, I just finished this game. And I was like, Oh, you're finishing games too. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's you're right. It's it's about the small things, and, and it's just it's 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 that way in every aspect of life. No, like what no matter what hobby you have or what job you have or what skill you're trying to master, it's it's the same. It's exactly the same. Yeah, that got kind of kind of melancholy. Well, to even kind of piggyback on that, another thing that we talked about on Friday was something that I mentioned to you. Uh, which was super kind of morbid to think about, but like I mentioned to her, I was like, "Oh yeah, oh, your bus factor." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, one of the articles that I read recently, I'll have to dig this up to you. I can't remember what it's called exactly, but it was like a checklist for CTOs, like make sure you have plans and places for different different events, and like, have you done this? Is this functioning? Have you checked this? Stuff like that. Um, and and one of the things I was thinking about was up until now. 
Um, I mean, I have a one password vault with all of my passwords in it for Design Collective specifically, a separate vault for that. But up until now, I've been the only person, uh, and I don't mean this to sound like a put down, but the only technically savvy person that with those usernames and passwords would be able to do anything with them. Uh, right. so, yeah, I mean, that's they're the only person whose job it was to be able to do anything with them. Yeah, so, so if I course. if I just like kick the bucket tomorrow, you know, <laughs> it's it's over. You know, like oh, here's you know how do how do we get a hold of his like passwords and stuff? Well, you can't. Sorry, you know. So I made you know I made sure I have a plan in place, and I told Lindsay what to like how to how to access that. I was like, I got him in a vault. Here's the password. Don't lose it. If for so, whatever reason I'm not around anymore, and you need access to give the next person, you know, passwords or whatever, or shut things down or spin things up, whatever. That's how you can do it. And uh, she was like, it was funny, like her response, she's super positive all the time. And so her response was like, oh, what did she say? She's like, oh, great. That sounds great. You know? And then she clarified, she's like, oh, I didn't mean like, that sounds great if you were to die that <laughs> uh, I'd be able to continue on. But like, she liked the idea that I was thinking about that kind of stuff. Like what would happen if I weren't around? Cause it's, you know, it's something you need to think about. What would, you know, so it's one of those things where like when I was, when I was setting accounts up for you and inviting you to stuff on Friday, it was one of those things I just thought about. I was like, well, I'm not the only person anymore. You know, now there's two of us <laughs> that would yeah, be able to do something. your bus factor. <laughs> yeah. Double right. The, yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it is kind of morbid, but it, you don't have to think about it that way, right? It can be people have to leave for all sorts of reasons. Life emergencies come up, family things happen. You know, there are, there are just reasons that somebody might need to abruptly not be around for a while, right? And yeah. but I, I think it's such an important, it's such a critical, critical thing to to think about. Not even just with passwords, but like all of your code documentation and just just documentation of how things are set up and where things are deployed and why why decisions were made why services are being used how those services are being used like all that stuff is it can be such a pain and to keep track of and it really is a bit of a time investment but when you have a small team it you just kind of need to be doing that yeah i mean obviously for big teams you, you need it for kind of a different set of reasons um just because systems generally get so complex that you have to have them well documented, otherwise nobody can figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. But with a small team, it's like you you you'll just lose so much. There's no there's no oral tradition or or written yeah, tradition yeah, yeah. if you unless you go and actually do that and and get that stuff written down and keep it up to date. It, it really is such an important thing. Well, it's one of those things like writing tests. You kind of it's just one of those things you have to do. Uh, you just have to make time for it. And writing documentation is is no different. Uh, that's one thing I've needed to do more for Design Collective. I just haven't had time. That's gonna you're gonna hear me say that a lot, and I don't like saying it, but it's I just haven't had time, or haven't been able to think about, or focus on, or forgot about that. Uh, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have to hotkey up my shrug guy, uh, my shrug <laughs> guy stuff. But no, it's it's yeah, it's important. It's one of those, so like uh, we're working on bringing some contractors in on night because I just don't have time and energy enough to keep the amount of work going that I had going for that. And uh, to some extent, I feel more like I need to have more focus on Design Collective. So even though I'm just doing contract stuff for night, it's still there during the day. It's like I still get messages. Um, I still have to respond to things, or I'm expected to respond to things, you know. So I try as much as I can to push responding off till outside of like my normal hours for Design Collective because I don't feel as guilty, like uh, my focus is being diverted. And uh, 
So that was one of the first things that I had to do is jump in and update documentation that hadn't been updated because I'd just been the only person, you know? And it kind of feels frivol like it, it's not a waste of time, but it feels sort of like a waste of time if you're the only one and there's not anyone on the horizon that's coming in to do anything. Uh, so that's what I, I've actually been doing that for, for Night Foundation. Uh, today, yesterday, I spent a couple hours doing that too, just writing documentation, just explaining things, documenting uh, view components. One thing that I really like about the VS Code plugin uh, Vitor, uh, which is for Vue, is that you can add a doc, a docs uh, um, element, I guess. It's just an HTML element. It's not really an HTML element, but if you if you add a docs element to your view component, then it highlights it with Markdown, or it gives you like Markdown syntax highlighting. So I've just been going through and commenting my view components and commenting some Ruby classes and uh, like documenting here's how branching how are how we're going to handle branching here's how we handle releases and stuff like that that's that's really nice yeah that that kind of stuff it when you're a solo developer you don't you don't think about it because you just have your flow and you you get in and you you go do stuff and it feels weird to be like hey i'm gonna i'm gonna not i'm gonna basically not accomplish anything today <laughs> right and i'm gonna spend six to eight hours writing docs but sometimes you just have to do that and i mean uh, obviously, that's only if you're behind on them. If you're keeping up to them, with or keeping up with them, it's a lot easier. There's just so much stuff. Like, I just started using a service called um, Content King. For it's basically just like an, it auto crawls your site and then gives you SEO and meta um, tips and finds things that might be broken or finds things that aren't optimized for SEO. And so that's a whole thing. That's like a job in of itself uh, that I'm trying to stay on top of and. You know, we have Google Shopping and Google Merchants. So there's a whole manifest that gets generated nightly and sent out to Google, and Google parses that and generates uh, ads, like shoppable ads across the internet and stuff. So that's a whole thing to know about. Um, there's just so many different different phases. You know, there's like it's weird because I'll go an entire week working on a section of the app, and then I'll have to work on another section the next week, and I'm like, I don't remember how any of this works hardly because it's so the app is so expansive now. Yeah, that that's man. There's there's like such a big myth around that in tech, like a simple code base. There's no, or a small code base for a anything more than the most trivial of apps. Mm-hmm. They're just every code base is going to balloon up. Everything gets really complex. You cannot keep the whole thing in your mind. It's just not possible for anything other than the simplest of simple systems. It's yeah, and the funniest thing anyone has ever said to me about something like that is is uh, whenever someone would ask me a question about an app for let's say we're working on design collective and they ask me about this feature and I sit and stare for a second and then I come up with an answer. It takes me a few seconds. Uh, someone said once said that it looked like data uh, trying to process, process a question <laughs> from Star Trek. <laughs> Cause I would just kind of little s- head tilt, <laughs> little head tilt for a second. And then you just like a few seconds go by and then you're like, Oh yeah. And you just like spout a bunch of stuff. They didn't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, but it's kind of like that, you know, they ask you a question and then you actually have to think about it. You have to, recall memory because you just can't think it think of it all up in forefront and that's why you know again testing is important documentation is important because if i had more docs i'd be able to read it and uh see that i've been adding wiki pages in github uh about various things and why decisions were made uh in github and that's are you concerned about wiki rot at all um yes but or, or what do you have a plan for, for no, dealing with that i don't yeah i don't think anybody does that's the just problem do it. i just do it <laughs> um you just accept it yeah so i mean maybe the only thing is like i don't know if github does this 
I know that GitLab, I don't even know that GitLab does this, but like having templates uh, that you can use for pull requests. Because I know you issue templates. Um, th- you know, you can create a new issue, it just populates a bunch of pre-written content for that issue. But it would be really cool mm-hmm. if you could do that for a pull request. And in the pull request, every time you make a new one, it reminds you to check wikis and check documentation and stuff before you merge something in. Yeah, that would be good. I mean, I guess the other thing is if you really just focus on creating a culture where people do that from the start, from the very, very beginning, yeah, then it's probably a lot easier to keep up to date. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it's, I just, think... it's just a thing that you do. It just be- it'll just become a habit like anything else. I mean, yeah. like writing good commit messages. When you first start out, you have to really think about it and then it gets easier and you learn how to break up your commits better. And Yeah, and the cool thing is that uh, it's, I don't know, like I keep, I keep saying that um, – Lindsay's probably the best boss I've ever had in the sense that she gets that. Uh, I've worked for a lot of people that don't get that or don't care about that or they don't think that that should be part of the process and so there's no time for it. Um, whereas when I explain, like I say, like, yeah, it's going to take me a extra time. I'm updating documentation. She sees that as working. She sees that as being productive and she sees that as being necessary, which I think is really cool. So I guess part of my strategy for fighting wiki rot is being able to um, budget time for that up front and think about it and not feel like, Oh shoot, this is a waste of my time or something I have to do in passing on to, you know, en route to something else. I think it's just like what you were saying earlier. It's just comes down to little decisions and it just has to be one of the little decisions that gets made. You have to consciously decide I have to, I need to check and remember to update this thing. Um, so, yeah, yeah. And that's something that anybody can do, whether or not there is a company culture yeah, or a project culture around doing that. Like you can always just decide to do things a little better, a little more polished. Yeah. And yeah. that's what I, I mean. I'm not always doing that certainly, but that's what I'm trying to push myself towards a little bit more just cause that's, I mean, that is who you are. All those little tiny decisions. I mean, I thought about things like, you know, using technology to our advantage, like having, building a little, little bot in, in our twist that might ping me, you know, have like, have you checked the docs lately? Or like, you know, you could build up, we could build a bot that is like, have you, you know, how are the week, like, how's the week you looking, you know, just things that you kind of forget about and, and only remember when you really need them to be in pristine and order. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, so there's like, there's things that we can build to kind of help us keep on top of that. Cause that's, it's just going to, you know, even two programmers, yeah, the, the workload is going to be much more manageable, but we're still going to be busy and we still have tons of stuff. I still have a full month of things uh, to tell you about tomorrow. <laughs> so I have our <laughs> next four weeks planned out and the four weeks after that planned out. So <laughs> in awesome. terms of like what we, you know, what we want to do and what's priority and things like that. Um, but, you know, that's like having stuff like that in place pushes other things like Wikirot into the background. So, um, I already have various robots pinging twist all the time, like, you know, a daily stat tracker, like new users, new orders, new, like active sales, number of new products, et cetera. Um, you know, we have uh, a robot that every Monday says like, what are your goals for this week? And how do you think you can achieve them? So everyone just kind of, you know, dumps that in there real quick. And then throughout the week, Lindsay will just like reach out, Hey, you know, how are the goals looking? What are you working on? Um, and it's really only once a week, if that which is nice because I'm not getting bombarded all the time like I have in previous jobs. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to like be proactive about a lot of this stuff and using robots to help me be proactive about it. 
I was I was using so many robots for Nest Notes too. It's just it's great. Like mm-hmm. I, the more notifications I can get in there, I like I silence them. I don't actually get things sliding into my screen or anything. That would be crazy making. Sure. But I do go through and look at the. I treat them like sort of like an email inbox almost. Honestly. Yeah. You know, where it's just like I, I need to go. Oh, it's about time I should go check on all the GitHub things, see what's going on in there, or like. And with one person, it's kind of different because you don't. I mean, I know when deploys are happening, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think there there is a lot of benefit very quickly, and they're so easy to set up now. Like it's so easy to tie bots into Slack or Twist or whatever. I mean, yeah. it's, it takes a few minutes, and you you really do get a ton of benefit out of it. Well, Twist uses Zapier. Uh, they have oh, yeah, some go. API stuff, but mostly they just say use Zapier, uh, which. Is okay. I like. I have mixed feelings because it costs money, and that's not a bad thing. But it's just another another cost, you know. Uh, so the more integrations you add, the the more your cost goes up for that. But the the cool thing about Zapier is that like anything connects to anything. So, for example, I was telling. Um, what I, one thing I like to do is I generate, I like to generate lots of paper trail when I'm working. So that way, if someone's wondering what I'm doing, there's a trail they can just follow me around. Uh, and one way I do that is a GitHub bot in Twist, and that thing is just blowing blowing Twist up all day long. And if they want to ignore it, they can, you know. But it's there. My my activity is there. And so I was telling my other coworkers, like you can do the same thing, you know. If you have a lead sheet that you use, if you're if you if you even just use Google Sheets, you can hook that up into Zapier, and you can have that dump into a thread in in Twist, you know. Um, if you're, even if you use Salesforce or whatever, that'll dump into twist. Uh, you can, you know, literally have it, you can, you can literally have it dump, um, anything from Zapier into it, into twist thread. And so we're already like trying to move that way. And Lindsay's really big on automating things anyway. So if it can be automated, she's like, let's automate it, make it easier, you know, for everyone involved. So we're trying to, we're trying to move that way, but. Zapier, Zapier so far has been been pretty good. One thing I've wanted to do is, and this is something that we're going to be building out eventually for stores anyway, is some sort of like notification or stat system, uh, like a live streaming. So and so did this, or you know, so and so favorited this product, or whatever. And since we're going to be having that capability anyway, we could consolidate that to a dashboard, like God mode admin wide dashboard, and that way. That could act as like a updated stream, and we wouldn't need uh, a third-party dependency, and we could play with sockets. Um. <laughs> <laughs> right, the most important, the most important part. We could play right, with sockets. Right. No, that sounds sockets. awesome, man. But yeah, that, stuff like yeah. the like the GitHub notifications. I I've had mixed feelings on that at, at different points in time, I guess. But now I'm I'm kind of all on board with that. It, it's it sort of seems invasive and and just a little weird to have that streaming out to everybody. Mm-hmm. But I think especially for distributed teams. Like it, it's so important to just have a place where you can go and catch up just on what people are doing. Not not to like necessarily are you working enough or whatever, because I don't think that's really a, a good metric of that. Sure, um, yeah. But but just knowing like what's happening in the company, what kind of features are being worked on, what kind of bugs are being fixed, I think I yes. think that is really important to be able to communicate that to customers and uh, like for salespeople, they're gonna be talking to customers about these sorts of things. And and I, I think having that ability for people to go in if they want and just catch up on what everybody else is doing. Or what certain people who they're interested in are doing, I, I think that is really, really powerful for for remote teams, and I, I, yep. th- I think it's kind of kind of a critical component, really. Yeah, and especially with the branching structure that I use, I'm using Gitflow, so all the branches have slash features slash issue number slash issue name, and it's all descriptive enough so our salespeople can see. And when they see some like a notification pop up, when when Scott is on in his car and a notification pops up, 
or when he's walking or whatever, he sees it. Oh, that bug was just fixed. Or, oh, that feature is, is, you know, maybe I can actually talk about that feature now to this store that I'm trying to sell to. So it's everyone's so close to the bare metal, so to speak, that that's helpful to them because they're, they're right there. They know exactly when things are happening. They could be in the store. Oh, the bug just got fixed right now, you know, uh, which I think is super powerful. And I think that our clients, I think that kind of blows them away too, because the industry that they're in is really antiquated. So they're not, they're not necessarily used to seeing technology move that quickly and seeing it up that close as well. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's just one less thing for you to have to worry about you as a developer, not you, Sean, but like, yeah, yeah. if stuff like that is just automated and people are getting notified, it's just one less thing. You don't, you don't, there's when people come to meetings, they'll be more informed and more ready to talk about things and actually have a sense of what you've been working on and what's going on in the, on the dev side of things. But they also don't have to be reading through diffs or whatever. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's just a very, it's a very friendly way for non-developers to see what's going on as long as you have like well-named issues and right. good, good commit messages and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. As long as you're keeping your, your good hygiene up, everything's mm-hmm. fine. It's mm-hmm. funny. Cause I've had, I've had my coworkers say, I'll mention something like, Oh, something's fixed. They're like, Oh yeah, I saw that. Or like they already know, <laughs> they already know what I've That's been doing. That's fantastic, which is which is pretty cool. Um, or even like in catch up meetings, you know, Lindsay one time was like, "Oh yeah, we don't really need to talk over the dev stuff because we, you know, we've already seen everything." I was like, "Okay, <laughs> nice, yeah." Mm-hmm. So anyhow, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I wish I could bring a cake, but you're there and I'm here, <laughs> and they're also yeah, somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. So. Although I, I will be heading down to uh, Southern California pretty soon here, so. Oh, uh, I'll be there this month or this summer for a few months. I don't know. I don't think we'll be there during the summer, but uh, I'll probably see if I can stop by and say hi to Lindsay and all that. Yeah, you'll to probably take you to uh, the same coffee shop. It's got super good coffee, super good breakfast, um, and you'll probably go go for a walk. Uh, she's got this this walking route that's pretty cool that she goes she hits every day. So be prepared for a good breakfast and a walk, or at least a coffee and a walk. I think I can I think I can prepare for that. I think I'll survive. All right, man. Well, I'm going to go enjoy this afternoon and uh I guess I'll talk to you uh tomorrow morning. I'll see you in the twists. Right and early. I'll see you in Ish. the twists tomorrow. The twists. See you in the twists. Later. All right. Bye. Thanks again to Gusto for sponsoring Does Not Compute. If you want a job where you can build something people love using, you need to check out Gusto. They build tools that take the hassle out of benefits, payroll, and HR for small business owners. You'll get to make technology that does the heavy lifting, so those small business owners can focus on running their businesses. Learn more about Gusto and their available positions by visiting gusto.com slash spec.fm.